Hello and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Sageburning Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? I'm enjoying my All-Star break, Ryan. I'm doing yeah, great. It's great. It's great. We're joining the All-Star game, the second most irrelevant game of the season. The first most, if you're wondering, is the Knicks' last regular season game because it just doesn't matter 90% of the time. That honor might go to someone else's here, though. It might go to Houston, Detroit. We should really have a, like a award race for this. We should track this on the podcast. It's like the Mr. Irrelevant of like regular season basketball games. Or is the worst game going to be a team that finishes like ninth? Like, mm. not, like has the ninth worst. Like they're like, we're not even in it to get into like the good lottery. <laughs> we just really suck. That, that might be the Thunder this year. They're sitting at like 15 wins. Yeah, you and it's be just careful. Yeah, it's just atrocious. I'm hoping the second half of the year is just like some grueling schedule. And I think I it get will those be. G Leaguers out of Orlando, Ryan. Yeah, Poku's He's coming back. back. My boy, the 17th <laughs> pick in the Poku. 2020 draft. Um, yeah, it's going to be amazing. The second half of the year, buckle up, Matt. It's going to be the most uh, interesting. I think this this month is just going to be awesome because of the trade deadline coming up, and we haven't had that in like a year. And I'm I'm itching for some good Woj bombs, you know. There's stuff that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely. I mean, it started already a little bit with the Blake Griffin stuff, but we'll get to that here in a second. Uh, if you haven't already, uh, give us a follow on Twitter or Instagram. We would greatly appreciate that. You can search for Couch GM Podcast. And we'll come up where we have the same logo on our podcast artwork as we do everywhere else. So give us a follow there. And if you haven't already, give us a review on the podcast platform of your choice, including Audible or Amazon Music, because we are there on those platforms now. Matt, For the educated folk. For the educated folk, yeah. We're there to dumb down those platforms. That's the whole purpose of of this podcast being on those. And if you didn't know, Matt, we hit like 50 listens on the last podcast. So thank you to everyone who's been listening. We appreciate that. Um, if you missed episode 102, because we're on episode 103, we talked about the second half of the league schedule was announced. Um, we talked about some hot seats. And boy, oh boy, those seats were a lot harder than we thought they were. Uh, I'm getting too good at this. Yeah, dangerously good at this it's a little scary you better watch out for your boy brad stevens next because that's uh that's getting in dangerous territory there and then uh we picked our league pass teams for the week matt had the wizards who are 14 and 20 overall and one and one over the past week uh that went over the clippers yeah no yeah. paul george but good win yeah, bradley beal he's a really good basketball player uh, he needs to get in a better situation at this point. I'm over the Wizards and their <laughs> shenanigans. But my boy Russell Westbrook has been playing better recently. Um, and I picked the Magic. And good Lord, did I pick a good week to watch the Magic because I couldn't have watched them go 0-5 or 0-7. And, and they went 0-2. They're 13-23 and overall. Only three games ahead of the Pistons. Just an absolute dumpster fire for the Magic this year. Uh, but, I mean... Almost They're, beat the Hawks though the other day. I don't, that's not high standard for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's really not that hard to do. I mean, talking, uh, we're talking about the Magic, who are 
without two of their best young players and Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac. So there's some caveats there, but the magic still suck this year. So they're not making the playoffs, not making the playoffs, Matt, what did we miss this weekend in NBA news? So again, referencing the last podcast, um, last odd, we got into the Ryan Saunders situation where we recorded episode 101, Ryan, and then literally upon hitting end on that pod, Ryan Saunders got fired. Well, now this week we do, we do pod number 102. We leave the next day, Atlanta decides to take me up on my advice from the hot seat, which was Lloyd Pierce, unfortunately, just wasn't it in Atlanta. He was on the hot seat and he unfortunately got canned. And the Hawks have decided that Nate McMillan, who um, is in his first year being an assistant with Atlanta after being the head coach in Indiana for so long, he is now going to take over the interim head coaching duties for the Hawks maybe try and get someone to play defense. I don't know. They gave up 112 to the magic right before the all-star break. So who knows there? Um, And then the other big uh, part of the news. So Blake Griffin uh, and the Detroit Pistons agreed to a buyout. Blake um, agrees to give out, give back, I think approximately like $13 million. He's still going to get paid close to like 30 next year though, by Detroit, which is crazy. And it was announced today that he will, in fact, be signing with the Brooklyn Nets now for how much or on what um, type of contract, whether it's a mid-level exception or um, the disabled veterans exception because of the Dinwiddie injury or just mm-hmm. a vetman. Um, we don't know that yet, but we do know he is going to Brooklyn and it is being reported they envision him as a small ball center which again makes sense. I don't think you should necessarily be starting there, come off the bench, fill a role. Um, But to be honest, I can't tell you that he's going to get more minutes than Jeff Green though, Ryan. So Brooklyn fans temper the expectations. Yeah. It's going to be super fascinating to see Blake's fit there Um, because two seasons ago, like we were ranting and raving about how awesome he was, right? He was, like he, he was he, awesome then. He made an all NBA team. He was deservedly playmaking, play got essentially willed Detroit into the playoffs somehow. They got swept, unfortunately, by the Bucks that year on their way to the Eastern Conference Finals yeah. appearance. Um, but I mean, Blake, I, I want to see that version of Blake where he was kind of playmaking. Um, of course, he won't be the centerpiece of the offense here, but he could maybe lead that second unit. Um, of course, not as explosive as he once was, but you hope to see just some of that playmaking ability and some of that three-point shooting show up again in Brooklyn. Um, the good thing is he'll always be playing with one of their stars, yeah. Durant, Harden, or Kyrie. So that'll be good for him, that he won't have to bear the burden of the entire offense, but he can be – a second, third, or even some lineups, fourth option. Yeah. And it's going to help because, you know, he's playing an offense that's essentially five out. And in Detroit, it was like five in. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that'd be cool. Uh, So he's going to have spacing. And I think that's going to help him get to the rim a little bit more, which we've seen him struggle with Um, and getting in pick and rolls with players like Kyrie Irving and James Harden. I mean, that helps, you know, guys like, 
Well, when you know. Jeff Green look awesome again, and right. we've seen Jeff Green not be awesome and not in the near past, right? So sure. you think that you get Blake Griffin in a winning situation and he's going to be able to produce and be be productive for the Nets. Yeah, I think it would go well. He can pick and roll, roll, and not be met by four other defenders <laughs> in the lane, right? Right. Because right. they have to guard Kevin Durant in the corner and Joe Harris in the opposite corner. Yeah. Can't, can't leave those guys. So, yeah. Yeah, I think this will go well, again, with relatively mediocre ex- level of expectation. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, exactly. I, I like the move. I think it was smart by Brooklyn. Why not, right? Go for it. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're really trying to win the championship this year, it's not like he's going to be able to guard, like, a Giannis or an Embiid or someone like that. You you don't you wouldn't expect him, I don't think, to guard those guys come playoff time, but you know, as another offensive weapon off the bench. Like, of course, you take swings on guys like this. Take advantage of minutes when those other guys aren't on the court. Exactly. Yeah. So where it's Yeah. Put him on, like, I don't know, Matisse Thibel when he's on the floor or whatever. and Let him shoot all day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Well, that's all. Go ahead. Yeah. Let's get to just the main topic, Ryan, because I know this is one you've been dying for. Yes. Hard truths. It's time hard to look. It's time to look each other or NBA teams to tell them hard truths. Look, look yourself in the mirror, and just express these hard truths that we've seen throughout the year. And maybe this is a future thing about a team. Maybe this is a current thing about a team. Maybe it's about a player. Maybe it's about a certain set of players. Hmm. So a nugget for the end there. We'll go. We'll go five each on this um Mm -hmm. talking on each of them so quick intros today to make sure we have plenty of time for this topic (laughs) to just Um, dump on our favorite teams yeah so i'll get us started here Uh, okay first of all looking at Giannis and milwaukee that's that's who we're setting down and looking the eye first Mm -hmm. so joel Embiid is playing a better more complete game than Giannis right now and that is the reason, not Doc Rivers. Joel being a better basketball player all around right now than Giannis Antetokounmpo. I said that wrong, but whatever. <laughs> that is the reason why Philly has overtaken Milwaukee as a top two team in the East. And Milwaukee is now in third. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're not wrong there because Embiid has been the MVP so far of this year. and. Giannis, I mean, he's play, he has gotten off to a slow start, played better towards the end of the first half of the season. Um, but uh, it's it's been an interesting ride for Joel because, like, we're all I, I'm <laughs> still waiting for that uh shoe to drop where it's like, oh my god, he looks out of shape, he can't play four quarters, like, he he just doesn't he doesn't have it today or he doesn't have it tonight. He's not bringing it tonight. And he really hasn't had any of those games. He's always, he's been going for like 40 points when he needs to, you know, really putting right. the team on his back and finishing games strong. Um, and that's been the fascinating thing about Philly is that like, he's been awesome. I still don't know if I trust Philly in the playoffs when it comes to pay- playoff time. And that's a different conversation. Um, but Joel Bede's been awesome this year. I can't, I can't argue with you on this one. Again, I don't know if I trust Milwaukee in the playoffs either. But um, with the Embiid point, I saw someone asked him the other day. Like, it's they said like effectively, like mentally, I feel like you were approaching the game differently this year. 
And he's like, yeah, this year, um, after how the last couple of years have ended so poorly, I'm, I'm trying to kill everybody. And I was like, there we go. That's yes. it. That's what we've Thank been you. waiting for, right? That's what I want Giannis to say too, right? Because that's like how Kevin Durant approaches the game. It's how James Harden approaches the game. It's how LeBron James approaches the game. Like Steph does it in his own weird way of shooting, but like that's the mindset you have to have to be like, at least have a shot at a championship, right? And so with Embiid playing it that way and Giannis like, again, he's a good player, obviously. He's a great player. That mental level on Embiid's part coupled with the fact that like, he has legitimately gotten better as a basketball player, right? I, I've joked on this pod before. He needs to watch some Nick Vucevic tape to, to get his offensive skill set up. And I'm not saying he actually watched Vucevic tape, but he's doing those things now. Like, right? Like Vucevic, it took a while for him to like build it into his career, like in his game, but it's eventually there now. And with Embiid, we're seeing the mid-range. We're seeing the three ball being more consistent. Whereas like last year, Every time he wanted to take a three as a Boston fan, I was like, please. Go ahead. <laughs> it was a win, 30% right? of them. Yeah, it was a win when you yeah, got every single to time. shoot a three, especially in that Boston series last year. Like, I think we watched a couple of games together. It was like, yeah, like you could tell by the end of the first quarter, like he just started taking a couple of threes and you're like, ah, oh, he doesn't have his legs anymore because he's right. not going to the post. Because he could take Daniel Tice or whatever big man Boston wanted to throw at him and put him in the rim every time. But I mean, the, it was so hard offensively for him. And so tiring offensively for them. And then expecting him to protect the rim at a super high level on the defensive end um, takes a lot, takes a lot. And he does. It, it looked like last year. He wasn't in shape. He's definitely in shape this year. And he's, he's just been, this year. Yeah. yeah, he's just been a monster just sure. everywhere hitting clutch shots. I mean, the other night against the Utah Jazz, hitting that game tying three with like people mm-hmm. draped all over him. Yeah, it's just like saying. he's just taken full advantage of like his physical, like right, like body. Yeah, and yeah. like the advantage he's he just naturally has over other guys. Um, it's like he's leading the league in post touches, which he needs to, right. being that big and being efficient and great at it. Uh, again, why as a Boston fan, every time he steps out to a three before I've been like, this is great. Cause he's not doing the thing he's best at, but now it's like, okay, now he's hitting the three. at like a 40% clip. Will will that keep up second half? Probably not, but could it average out at like 35? Yeah. And, and that's, that's good enough for Philly to keep a top two seed in the East and have a legitimate shot at getting to a championship. And then on top of it, I just think, Again, back to the mindset part of it. When Jimmy Butler left, our mm-hmm. biggest complaint was, who are you giving the ball to then? Like, right, when it comes to nut yeah. crunching time, someone's got to have the ball. And Butler bailed them out time after time. And now we're seeing it's Embiid. Like, he, he's like, give me the ball. And he's smart with it. He knows what he's supposed to do with it, and he makes a play. Simmons can't give him the ball still. And with all the other guys, like, they're complimentary. Seth Curry's complimentary. Danny Green's complimentary, right? So kind of yeah. when he wants to be <laughs> different, different pathway there. We're gonna get back on track here. But um, I think that's it. The the mindset of trying to kill people, the yeah. you know, just naturally improved shot, and then the fact that he's like, give me the ball. And he's so far made 
realistically all the right plays. And so I think that's, whereas Giannis, like the shots, you know, mildly better, I guess this year it they're I mean, Milwaukee's taken like that slow uh, transition into like, we're trying out some new defenses. We're seeing how this is going to go now. Just wait till the playoffs. And that's great and all like, I do appreciate them trying some new stuff, but they've still lost way too many games and many of their wins are against like the Clevelands and Detroit's of the world, which is it their fault that they've had to play them so much? No, but you know, if that's all the teams you're beating more so than the others, then that is a bit concerning. And I don't know, maybe some of those losses, if Giannis is just like, no, this isn't happening. Maybe they're more in that tier with Brooklyn and Philly, but right now it seems like Milwaukee, you've kind of slid down at least for the time being to like, tier one B or, or whatever you want to call that tier two. Yeah. So that's yeah. where Milwaukee's probably got to have that long look of either this better work, this whole trying out some new stuff now to the, and then playoffs that'll benefit. Cause if it doesn't work, this is going to look just awful for Mike Boonholzer. Yeah. I mean like his, I think it's kind of like maybe an unspoken thing is that his seat might be hottest if this like, thing doesn't work out again this year like if they have an early early playoff exit uh in like the second round like there's i think that's uh that starts the conversation of well is this something worth keeping together specifically the head coach um yeah and it you know it it's strange because i feel like this team is much better around Giannis, even though they haven't performed that way in the regular season um and it's just kind of that long-term approach like you said there's a group of teams I think I, I've kind of categorized, categorized in my mind as like, we just have to wait till the playoffs to find out who they really are. Milwaukee and the Clippers are two of those teams that come to mind, yep. um, not to expand this conversation anymore. And Philly, I, I think honestly would be in that category as well. Um, so I, it's going to be interesting to see if Embiid can carry this over um, into the playoffs. And if he can, like Philly's, smack dab in the conversation of being a championship contender so and pick them but they're yeah. in that conversation right like i i like not to get into an easter conference discussion here but i mean it's hard to imagine that like brooklyn would lose to them in a seven game series yeah th- there's no way i i wouldn't i would be picking brooklyn more but that's another conversation for another time Matt. are you ready for my first hard truth let's get it all right, <clears throat> got to clear from clear my throat for this one. Uh, Portland is not a championship contender and will not be a championship contender until Dame gets serious help. Is is healthy Yusuf Nurkic and healthy CJ McCollum considered serious help? Or are you talking beyond? Beyond that, we need like a like a third superstar there, like a second superstar there. Because let's be honest, we've we've seen. Portland compete at a high level with a, a team that was downtrodden and Golden State a couple years ago, who was in the Western Conference Finals without a Kevin Durant, and they still lost. Right. And and it's like, what? Why are we still running this team back if we know the outcome? Right. Like maybe this team is a little bit better on the wing, like we've talked about that. 
Like Carmelo has been nice for them. Robert Covington's had an okay year. Um, Derek Jones Jr. has been good for them. And his canter has been fine. But let's be real. When you're looking at the top teams in the Western Conference and the Lakers, even the Jazz, like, or Nuggets, are you picking Portland over any of those teams? Then definitely not the LA teams. Right. And maybe, maybe the maybe the Nuggets. And yeah, maybe, that one's like more of the toss up, right? But and maybe Utah. Right. Again, probably still Utah at this point, but it's at least like close. But that's the thing. They're gonna have to play one of those four teams. And right. it, even the Suns, like they're gonna have to play those four teams in, in the first round. And it's like, okay. So if you maybe win the first round, you're gonna you're not making it past the second round. Like this team barely squeaked into the playoffs last yeah. year, um, and then got wrecked by the Lakers, who went on to win the championship. But this team just doesn't—I don't think—is constructed in a way that can win a championship this year or going forward. And Dame, I mean, he's in what his early thirties at this point. Yeah, and he like thirty-one. Yeah, something like that. And to me, like you need another ultra superstar. Like you need to go get someone. And Portland doesn't have the pieces to go get that someone, right? Like look at Utah. They benefited from having a Mike Conley, right, in their rotation. And he's been awesome this year. Who, I mean, like, yeah, you could point to CJ McCollum, but it's Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and Mike Conley. Right. and Jordan Clarkson and all these other guys. Right. So like, who is that for, I mean, is Carmelo that probably not is Carmelo probably, probably needs to be more in the Jordan Clarkson tier. Yeah, exactly. Like the six man, you, you really need that someone to give you that extra punch. Right. Well, I think Dame is better than the top two guys for Utah. Um, CJ is in the conversation of like the, Gobert, Conley, Mix, and then Nurkic is probably like a slight step below Conley then, right? Yeah. So, and again, that's when they're healthy and playing. And then after, like, the the Blazers have a lot of guys in that, like Bogdanovich, um, Clarkson, Ingles tier of guys too. Um, but you're right. It's like they need another... Conley or Gobert level guy, right? Whether that's Nick Vucevic or whomever, like they can go try and find. Um, Oladipo is probably not quite a fit there, but like, again, someone in that grouping of player is who they would need. And it, it is the, the tough part. I looked at Dame's uh, 30 will turn 31 in July. So, I mean, he's still got what, three four probably really great seasons left in him assuming good health and all so if you're if you're thinking that way like we've got four more good years that's not a draft pick this year nope not a draft pick any of the following three years after that either nope it needs to be a guy you've already drafted that ain't happening (laughs) it's like gary trent turning into this like awesome like player I mean, like, he's an awesome scorer, but he's probably not turning into, like, Donovan Mitchell. Like, no, that's the no, no, that's no. the tier of guy you need, really. And you need him on the wing for this team. So, right. and those come at a high premium. So, right. maybe 
if the Knicks are looking to fire sell Julius Randle. Like, that's a guy I'm kind of thinking of, right? Yeah, can help um, you for like the next couple years. Um, yeah, yeah, it could be a young piece. Fits next to Damon CJ nicely and can fit your championship window. I'm not saying Julius Randle is the difference between this team make it like being a championship contender or not, but it's a step in that direction. What if after this season, Paul George is like, I'm out. And Dame's like, come here. That, you know, that that's an interesting matchup or a pairing because Paul George is not this like elite ball handler, but could be an awesome, like two two or one B to with Dame. And then that gives a little bit less pressure off CJ and he can operate and be awesome still. Um, So maybe it might have to be a trade involving CJ to get him, but yeah, that's a good point. Cause Paul George signed. That's right. So uh, yeah. Cause he like signed in that extension, but like, again, it, if you think Paul George is like a two-way wing that your team legit needs and you, you can hold on to a Gary Trent and the deal all of a sudden now, if you, if you're running something like Dame Trent, uh, George, and then keep Carmelo and whatever you can throw out there at center, maybe it's Nurkic, maybe you lose Nurkic in a deal or whatever. Cause you got to clear the space. Like, okay. Yeah. But what you know? is, yeah, I mean, like, if you're getting rid of Nurkic, not say Andre Drummond's the same type of player, or same guy, but what is he going to get in free agency this year? Like, it's not going to be as much as he's getting paid right now, you'd think. I don't know. Um, Again, we, we always get back to this, like, you can find centers for, like, relatively cheap. So, I don't know. You you find the guy, though, that's like, I want to play with Dame, Carmelo, and Paul George. Right. Like, I want to play with that group of guys. I'll take a discount or something to, like, go – go do that yeah like that yeah. that's got to be out there like those are but that again back to your original point that's got to be like the level ish of move portland's got to be making here in the next six to 18 months to get themselves somewhere championship relevant and we i feel like we've been talking about this for the last six to 18 months you know like this conversation isn't really new for portland i don't feel like um and, no, but Dame was 28 two years ago. Yeah, right. Like that that's the thing is like you felt the championship window was maybe a longer runway. Now that runway has gotten significantly shorter. I don't know if significantly is the right word there, but it's gotten shorter and like the time's ticking. And well, if you think the, the championship window is till Dame's 34. Well, so if you had a six-year window from age 28 to 34, two of those years are up. Yeah. So a third of your championship window is gone now. Put it that way. All of a sudden, it's like, okay, yeah, we we got to do something now. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't know. It just makes me nervous for this team. I I I love this is a pro Damian Lillard podcast. Uh, we Very love much. Damian Damian Lillard, even though he ended the Thunder as a franchise. <laughs> um, and that's fine. Like I, I still love the guy so much. I would even buy his Oklahoma City Thunder colorways in <laughs> honor of that shot he hit. Um, but, you know, I, I want to see him succeed. I want to see him do well. And um, I don't feel like Portland's in a spot to do that right now. Probably not. All right. So here's my number two. So bringing this back to the East, the New York Knickerbockers 
Mm. I mean, the fans are hype, right? They're they're celebrating in the streets after a win against the Kings. They are just having the time of their lives right now. They don't. They haven't seen winning like this in thirty years. So. Right. So, my my hard truth though is that they're gonna tumble down the standings as a season. Ooh. But I'm not saying they're going to miss the playoffs. Yeah. Because we got the 10 spots now. Yeah. A little extra extra space. But it, I, by the end of this year, they're going to be more fighting for the 7 through 10 spots. They're not going to be fighting for home court anymore. <laughs> right? Like, if the Knicks even ended up in the 7-8, I think that would be a humongous win for the Knicks. Mm. Not, but – even the play, the play-in is a is a big win for the Knicks. Like it is, and they're. I think this season would still be considered a success in that situation because I didn't think they were going to be good. I thought year. they would be picking in the lottery. I think we talked about them as a lottery team, and for them to be in the playoff conversation, in the serious playoff conversation, it's not like oh, if they went on a five-game streak, they would be in the playoff conversation. Like they are in the thick of the playoff conversation. Right. And that's impressive for the Knicks. That's a win. 19 and 18. Right. Whereas the number 11 Atlanta Hawks. So the first team out is 16 and 20. So it's a two and a half game lead by the Knicks. Mm. So is it, is it a gap? Yes. It's a gap. Is it a huge gap though? Definitely not. Like you have a bad first week back out of all-star break and the Hawks have a good week. All of a sudden, you could be sitting outside the playoff picture, right? right. Like that's all it takes right. to to be either the four or five versus being out of the playoffs. So, I with the Knicks, obviously they're a terrible offensive team. Mm-hmm. They're like thirtieth in the mm-hmm. league in offense. If you're predicated on defense, which Tibbs again, great defensive coach, that defense is going to level out. It's not going to keep being a top five defense. Finishing at tenth. Again, still a win for the Knicks. Finishing 12th, 15th, still a win for the Knicks. Like in terms of defense. But if you're finishing 10th, 12th, 15th, that that win percentage, which is currently at 51, is going to start getting closer to the 41. Yeah. And that's out of the playoffs, even in the East. <laughs> which is just wild. Like 500 used to be the standard, like for yeah. the, the, the East. Uh, and I guess it kind of still is, but um, yeah, I mean, like the heat, we've seen the heat start to pick it up um, in the East a little bit, right. As all-star break was coming. Uh, and that's just because they've gotten their guys back, right. Jimmy Butler's playing more consistently. Um, those type of guys are back. Toronto has been better. They started what two and eight are now are now 17 yeah. and 19. Um, yeah. And they're starting to find their legs a little bit. Boston's starting to find it. Um, the Bulls are starting to find it a little bit. Yeah, and like Washington, Bradley Beal, you're you're fighting Wizards yeah. over yeah. there. Seven are, and three in the last ten. Yeah, I mean, like they, uh, it's just like this bottom, middle to bottom of Eastern Conference is a tight race, and like you said, to your point, like you lose, you go one and two in a week, and another team goes three and zero or four and zero or something like that, and all of a sudden you're looking you know, you're looking at, you're on the outside looking in, in terms of a playoff conversation. Um, 
and that's a hard thing to to swallow but like you said they got to defend at a high level and their offense really hasn't been great so they really have to defend at a high level um i would be interested to see if they're buyers going into the trade deadline here um because they've already kind of bought a little bit in terms of a derrick rose deal derrick rose deal that doesn't make any sense yeah i don't (laughs) i don't understand that one either um but you know we'll see we'll see what the knicks i think i think they're going to be competitive at least which has not been the case at all Uh, i made the joke about them being one of the most irrelevant regular season teams in the second half of the year and they're not going to be this time around as far as we can tell right yeah right right and again like you started to mention teams on the outside already looking in like atlanta and washington like they're they care like they're trying to get in chicago is trying to get in so i know knicks fans aren't here for moral victories but this needs to be a moral victory year. Uh, anything is a moral victory for the Knicks at this point. I, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to be nice to you here in New York. I'm not having it. I'm gonna take your. Uh, yeah, I'm just. I'm just not here for it. Anyways, do you have anything else to say on the Knicks, or can I move on to my next hard truth? You may go ahead and get okay. to your second hard truth. <clears throat> Got to clear my throat for this one too. Carl Anthony Towns is not the player we thought he would be. He's not the centerpiece <laughs> of the franchise. It's time to look ourselves in the mirror and and just accept this truth for what it is. Um, because he's not, like, he has not performed to that level. He has had, like, one and a half good seasons, really, um, and has just been kind of not awesome since. Um, and I know there's a lot of things going on this year with his family. He's gotten COVID and a lot of personal stuff going on. Um, but he just hasn't looked the part of being a centerpiece of a franchise at, at any point in his career in the NBA outside of, like I said, that season, season and a half um, when they made that playoff playoff push. And it, I mean, the Wolves have are probably going to be the top number, you know, have two number one picks in back-to-back years. And like, I'm sorry, that just disqualifies you from being the centerpiece of a franchise. Like what, what, like the Spurs come to mind, I guess, with David Robinson, but David Robinson got hurt that year. They had the number one overall pick or got the number one overall pick and picked Tim Duncan. Like, I just can't think of another player that's like, okay, yeah, this is still our centerpiece of the franchise. Like this guy's awesome. We can build around this guy. I don't think you build around Carl Anthony Towns anymore. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I get the fact that his career has a hundred percent not gone the way we thought it would go right like part of that's he got the unfortunate draw of going to minnesota i mean some of that yeah but minnesota to be fair like there was that team that went to golden state the year the golden state won 73 games and beat golden state in oracle like that was an ultra rare thing and they just have not been that team since i thought they would take a huge step the next year and they just haven't they haven't made any steps they made I mean, they were good when they had another competent basketball player and jimmy butler next to him yeah but then he wanted immediately out because cat didn't put in the hard work to be to compete at a championship level right like so I'm just, just, if, the, if the conversation is is cat a number one in the nba i could get where that's like a no he maybe is not number one but like i think he's still in the category of like he can be like a really great number two on a championship team 
I'm yeah, still I, there. I guess I guess that's what my point is overall is that he's not the center of a franchise. Like you can't make him the center of a franchise, center of an offense. Like it has to be someone else at this point. And as a center, like you need to be elite defensively at this point in the NBA, and he isn't. Like where he doesn't have, like with Jokic at least, he's in the right spot kind of, and can kind of just put up his arms even though he's not an elite defender. We haven't seen that with Cat. Like he doesn't move his feet well on defense, and his skills don't. Like his skills on offense are just like amazing. Oh my god, this guy's amazing at offense, like Jokic is. He's not the passer. That, yeah, that Jokic is like the last. You know, last season, which he hardly played last year, he only played thirty-five games, um, and this year he's only played sixteen. He's averaging in those two seasons. 4.4 assists and 3.9 assists. So, like, it's respectable. Like, it is good for a center, but it's not right. Like, he's not catching the ball in the high post every single play, and then they're just completely running the offense through him. Like, that's not happening. Should it be happening? I would I would love to see it happen. I feel but, like that's what we've been asking for the, for the last couple of seasons. When it's but is just that a been Carl Anthony Towns problem, or is that a coaching problem? I mean, I guess we'll find out. The coaches have changed, right? And if right. Carl Anthony Towns plays it all in the second half of the season, we'll see. But I just feel like this, like Carl Anthony Towns show, is just going to get the Wolves continually nowhere. And even though they've, I mean, they've had number one after uh, like three number one picks come through their facility in the last decade and it really hasn't amounted to much yet i know asterisks next to that one because anthony edwards is just a rookie but it, it mean like daniel russell now is like a top what three pick and like yeah, two or three and he hasn't been i mean like they haven't played together yet is it but, is it carl right is it carlton towns's fault though they haven't played together also is it carlton towns's fault that d'angelo russell was not worth the number top two or three pick or whatever no like probably not right like that's a front office thing 100 percent. like um, what if we just said like minnesota is just an awful franchise at building a team like and they are like yeah. they really are like just look at what he's had out like they did the jimmy butler thing which was super smart mm-hmm. right it really was did it work long term no but it it was like we can do this and they never turned it into anything more than just that though no it's nothing like, more than an eight that was like their right? one try and yeah. then they're like ah oh, gave it the old college try and like that was all but that's so, that, going to that that point and that specific point like that was on carl anthony towns as well because like it didn't work with him and jimmy butler like he like he didn't it never worked out because he never put the effort in to like be that number one piece that jimmy thought he could be right like we're seeing it now with Bam Adebayo. Could you imagine? Like, I think Cat could be a better player than Bam, and we just haven't seen it. I, I think we've he, seen flashes of it. Let me correct that. Carlton Towns is a substantially better offensive player than Bam Adebayo is. Right. Substantially, and defensively, obviously not. But like in terms of like the offense, Carlton Towns has been a forty percent three point shooter, forty plus percent for the last several seasons on like the last, let me put it, not, not looking at this year, the three years previous 7.9 attempts per game, 4.6 attempts per game, three and a half attempts per game shooting 
at worst, 40%. Other year, 41. Other year, 42%. Like, and he does a lot of this stuff, like, with no help around him. And so, not like, you know, in the Jimmy Butler year, like, yeah. Like, Cat does deserve, like, some blame for that. Like, he definitely does. He was also, like, 22 years old. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's a good point to make. He's super young. Um, but also, like, I feel like we've seen this in Minnesota, too, with Kevin Love in that, like, good stats on a bad team right and but not kevin saying love is a really good player yeah kevin loves a fine player he's never going to be the centerpiece of your franchise i think carl anthony towns has shown like he's a better basketball player than kevin love i think carl anthony towns could be the third best team third best player on a, on a championship contender like that's what love was like he'd yeah. be the third guy in cleveland yeah i, I think if you would have put you know, a healthy Carl Anthony Towns, which his first four years in the league, he was 100% healthy. Right. right. Like he was. So if you put Carl Anthony Towns on that Cleveland team, like he's still the number three because they would have had LeBron and Kyrie, but Carl Anthony Towns would have been a better number three than Kevin Love would have been. Sure. You could have put 22 year old Carl Anthony Towns and he would have been a better number three than prime Kevin Love. Yeah. I guess that's like, fair. I mean, that's like, a good point. I I don't know. I think like a situation like he would have to go to a situation like like Portland, like what we were talking about on my last one, in that like there's two established stars there, um, for him to win a championship. I just like, think he needs like a guard or wing or wing ball handler, right? Whatever you want to call it nowadays, right? That is like you. He's a great player in his own right, and compliments Carl Anthony Towns whereas like D'Angelo Russell he's not a great player and like on his own even like he's a fine good NBA player on his own mm-hmm. that looks better in a system mm. like Carl like oh again I'll go back to my point maybe he's not number one on championship but like he's a number two on a championship team that like has an established ball like lead guy that is just good no matter what like I don't can we, I don't know even where to get him to, but I mean, the Mavericks would be that spot, right? Right. Flop hit, Porzingis yeah. Switch, whatever. Swap him and Porzingis. And, and if you do the, that, this Mavericks team better? is so much better. This Mavericks team is in, again, has not lived up to the expectations this year, right? This Dallas team would be infinitely better than it is right now. Would it? Teams. Yeah. I feel like the, I feel like the issues that the Mavericks have, Carl Anthony Towns does not fit that. Like he doesn't fit like the I rim mean, he, protector that he, he needs, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, he averages like a block and a half a game for his career. Like, like he he gets blocks. Is he a great rim protector? Maybe not, but he does get blocks. So uh, he fills the role of playing offense, which Kristaps <laughs> isn't particularly doing much either. So, yeah. I mean, that's a good. Know, point. But like, I just maybe one, Carl Anthony Towns drastically needs to get out of minnesota like yeah needs maybe, maybe that's it maybe we just possible. like maybe he needs to do the anthony davis thing and force his way out out of minnesota and yeah. that's just the end of the conversation and i'm not even saying you know like he would be as good as anthony davis like translated to in la but like again maybe he's a slight step below that right slight step above prime kevin love and all yeah like i it, I would think anyone who gives up on Cat right now, like as a number one or two option on a champion team, like it, it's foolish. Again, 
He's, he's taking 25. a shot at me. Yeah. Taking a shot at me. It's, I see how it is. He's Listen, not even going to be saying, in his like, like prime, okay. quote unquote prime. If for we're, like, if three we're years. saying, if we're saying, yeah, give up on him. Like Giannis is what 25, 26, and he's won two MVPs. Like that's the that's that's where I'm coming from. Is like there's there's guys his age range who have performed significantly better, and like Milwaukee was nothing. Milwaukee was worse than Minnesota is now, when Giannis started playing well, right? right. Like, and I I don't know. That's just kind of the context I look at it from. Is like Carl Anthony Towns could be in the MVP conversation. And he, he just hasn't, like, he hasn't lived up to that expectation of a number one pick in my perspective, from my, like, what I see of Carl Anthony Towns. And like, like look I mean, at him be. Also, like, if, if I took Giannis out of the Milwaukee roster and put Carl Anthony Towns on it, again, I'm not saying he's as good as Giannis, because he's clearly not, right? Like, right. in terms of an all-around basketball game. And Giannis, again, he, he somehow always gets to the rim. But... I mean, Carl Anthony Towns has the jump shot, and I like mean, honestly, the like handle to like get himself into like a mid range jumper better than Giannis has. Giannis can get to the rim and dominate because like Giannis, Giannis can take all the mid range jumpers he wants. He doesn't make them. So like, Carl Anthony Towns though like makes those. Okay, counterpoint to that is Brooke Lopez just not an older cheaper version of Carl Anthony Towns from the Milwaukee Bucks. Brooke Lopez cannot create offense at all for himself. Yeah, but like uh, if I mean, you, that, if you that, took out Giannis and put Carl Anthony Towns on Milwaukee, Milwaukee would still be a top four team in the East. Absolutely not. Get Absolutely out of here with that true. slander. I'm tired of this Giannis slander. <laughs> I've had t- too much about it. I, I should end the podcast here. This is ridiculous. You're just bitter because Boston's worse than Milwaukee, and Milwaukee's still not good this year. Although if Boston wants to trade for Carlton Towns, that'd be cool. Now that's that's an interesting idea. Kemba for Carl Anthony Towns and a and bunch of Boston first round picks. Sure. Minnesota's <laughs> not saying yes to that, but you know. It's, it's a good idea. Anyway, that was a good conversation. I feel yes. like we haven't disagreed about a player like that in a while. Yeah. That was kind of heated for us. I'm here for you, Kat. I'm here for you. I'm not. I'm here for Giannis, you know, the guy who actually <laughs> has won MVPs and done stuff. Same amount league. of championships, though. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. We'll get to mine before this goes on too much longer. Um. Number three for me, the Pelicans. Mm. The, the NBA Twitter favorite New Orleans Pelicans. So you have a ton of young guys on your roster making next to no money. You have one expensive player and in Brandon Ingram and then Steven Adams, I guess is also fairly expensive. You have room for one more expensive guy while Zion is still on his rookie deal. You need all caps need to go get a big money guard, particularly a point guard. Mm. So whether that's CJ McCollum, mm. whether that's Russell Westbrook, mm. whether that's, I don't know how to stop my head. Those are like the top two that came to me. You need to go get one of those guys desperately. Bradley Beal. I mean, it'd be incredible if they could get Bradley Beal. They'd have to give up everything non-Zion to get him. I don't. I mean, they have that pick stash from Milwaukee. They do. 
they have the bajillion picks. So that's good to have. Um, I don't, maybe Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal would be great there. I mean, he's not that point guard, but he's a guard. And he's a guard awesome. who, who is fine dribbling the ball a thousand times because he's been asked to do it in Washington <laughs> for the last several years. He'll get Kyle Lowry and re-sign him. Ooh, that's good. That's right? a good one. Yeah. So you need a big money point guard. You can afford to spend the money for the next this year and, and really two more, three mm. more. Yeah. You can afford it. So go do it. Go get Zion a legit guard, someone he can play with, someone that'll help Brandon Ingram also be better. Go get a dude and see what happens here. Like, let's not just like say like, we're going to organically build up all of our young guys. You can't get 18 young guys on the court at the same time, right? You can't get Nikhil Alexander Walker on the court all the time. You can't get Kyra Lewis on the court, you know, every time. You can't get Jackson Lewis or Jackson Hayes out there all the time, plus Zion, right? And mm. Ingram's still mm-hmm. relatively young too. You can't have a ton of young guys and a thousand picks coming in like you there's just no point in that so let's get off of some of it some of these teams that have a big money guy that need an infusion of young talent and bench guys send them up you know get get them out of here mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. let's go get that big money guard i like it i was gonna have a hard truth uh, about the pelicans i'm glad you did this one because my hard truth was that lonzo is the, is the lid to this team. And oh, yeah. Totally it, throw Lonzo in any of those deals. And in, in a way, you're kind of saying that because Lonzo like, is it. not that is not that guard for the Pelicans they need. And his um, deal's up at the end of the year. Like, you're going to decide if you want to pay him or not. Yeah, that's a hard no. Like, <laughs> if he's looking for a max contract, that's going to be a no, right? Um, if it's like four for 100, let some other team decide that. Right. Um, and go get someone. You're right. Like, go in. Like, you have a chance to make a run this year. It's not like the West is loaded, but it's not like this, like, super overloaded, super stacked conference. Like, you can if you're up. thinking, like, we could get Phoenix in the first round. Yeah. Like, obviously, like, Phoenix okay. is beatable, right? Like, they're like, the number they're, two. Phoenix right is now. super good. Like, very good story this year. But if you're New Orleans and you were the seven, and yep. Phoenix still finished at the two or whatever, you'd be like, I like our odds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Phoenix is totally beatable. I mean, Charlotte, I mean, not saying like Charlotte's the thing for the barometer for winning here. Right. Um, but I mean, it's a beatable team. Like, it's not like this right. superstar studded team uh, like the Clippers or the Lakers are. Um, who are maybe a little bit more intimidating for a team like New Orleans. Right. Um, but you yeah, get go in. in the Nuggets go. on a matchup. You get Dallas in a matchup, right? Like you, you would feel good. Go in. Also, just because you'd have to make money work if you're trading some young guys. Mm. You, mm. you would unfortunately have to throw in Eric Bledsoe. Unfortunately or fortunately? Which one? <laughs> Did so, I hear that right? Um, that'd be a pro of this. Is you don't yep. have Eric Bledsoe anymore. So... Yeah, you know? go. I mean, like Eric Bledsoe could suit like the Knicks really well. <laughs> sure, sure, right. Like, let's get him to Washington. You can be the 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 guard beside whichever guard you don't trade for. Um, cool, right? So, yeah. I, I I think that would be another pro because we, as much as we are a pro Damian Lillard podcast, we are an anti Eric Bledsoe podcast. <laughs> this is a very much an anti Eric Bledsoe podcast. Um, and it's not a knock on Eric Bledsoe. We just, 
he might be a great guy. We just don't love his basketball game. <laughs> um, he's a great defensive player, just kind of stinks on offense most of the time. Um, I, yeah, I agree with you on this one. Like, you have to go get someone who can play make outside of Zion and Brandon Ingram. Like, it can't just like solely rest on those two guys, even though they are awesome. You got to go considering the fact that the Pelicans forget that they have Zion <laughs> half the time he's on the court. They just don't give him the ball, which is just wild. And maybe, maybe like, you know, then we saw the Nuggets do this to kind of clear some more um, space for playing Michael Porter Jr. Is like maybe you just clear some space to free up the ball handling situation, right? Um, like it's easily type of deal. Just yeah. send them out for next yeah. And it's like, okay, you don't have to worry about Lonzo or Eric Bledsoe getting touches. It's like Zion, whoever you're bringing in, Brandon Ingram, and the rest of the guys will fit in around those three, right? Yep. Um, and that's kind of the idea here, and I like it a lot. I'm here for it. Okay, right. you ready for my next hard truth? Let's get it. I'm about to burn Philly to the ground. Ben Simmons wasn't worth the number one overall pick. Gosh. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to go here. Uh, yeah, I, I feel I'm feeling spicy, you know, tonight. And as as you saw, Ben Simmons is an awesome defense player. Offensively, it leaves a little bit to be desired still. Yeah. And the picks behind him were Braden Ingram and Jalen Brown. Matt. Very good players. Who would you rather have? Ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram, or Jalen Brown? Um, probably Ingram. Ing- the order is either Ingram or Brown, and then Ingram or Brown, and then Ben Simmons. And yeah, that's I, the order. For for me, I, I feel pretty strong about it being Ingram first, to be honest. Yeah, I've seen Ingram-, Ingram play good defense. He hasn't done it this year, but I've seen him play good defense. I've also seen him play great offense. Yeah, he's he's in- turned into one of the best bucket getters in the league. And he's mm-hmm. as as young as Ben Simmons and has frankly played better than Ben Simmons offensively um, for the last two seasons. And like that, that's nothing to like sneeze at. And like his team was really close to making the playoffs. I know you're going to say, well, like Philly's been in the playoffs for a while and made it this far and all that stuff. And it hasn't bec- really because of Ben Simmons. Like there's been flashes of Ben Simmons carrying this team, but it hasn't been centered around him by any stretch of the imagination. I think Um, like if the conversation is more like Simmons or Brown at two, that's where it's like to me much more interesting. And I part of it's like I I almost feel the need to say like I would want to see Brown for like the rest of this year or one more year. Because if Brown keeps going up the way he's been going up, then it might pretty solidly be Brown. So that's the thing is in that second spot is like, okay, who's developed more in their time in the NBA? And it's been Jalen Brown. Like yeah. that's not really the, co- it's not even really a conversation. Jalen Brown's expanded his game to play, make shoot threes off the dribble and play incredible defense. Ben Simmons kind of came in into the NBA as an awesome defensive stopper and a good playmaker. And we really haven't seen his game develop or grow much outside of that. He's just gotten better at the things he was already good at. Yeah, and that's not necessarily a knock on Ben Simmons, but it, it is a credit to those other two, I think. Yes. Because Brandon Ingram wasn't a bucket coming into the league. I think I, 
notoriously, I bailed on Brandon Ingram. And like, after year one, I was like, yeah, I'm done with this guy. Like, I don't think he can be anything. And he's proven me wrong. And Jalen Brown, we've liked Jalen Brown and he's been awesome. Um, but he's been incredible this year. I mean, it's why he's an all-star. Um, and I haven't really seen that type of growth or leap from Ben Simmons. And when it comes playoff time, we're still going to have that conversation of like, okay, he's just been in the dunker spot for the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. Like, why isn't he getting touches? And we're not, we won't probably ever have that conversation with Jalen Brown or right. Brandon Ingram. Right. Again, the, one of the biggest what ifs to me is like, what if Ben Simmons didn't go to Philly? Mm. Like what if, or in other words, what if he didn't get paired with Joel Embiid? Yeah. What if he like, paired with any other team or, you know, co-star? Does it look different? Does the career turn out differently? Um, I, I very much get where you're coming from, though, with this. Like, especially the development part. I think that's the important part is, yeah. like, there just hasn't, I want to say it hasn't been a rise in his game because he has gotten better. But, like, not necessarily in the ways we've wanted him to ways that we know would help them like win a championship has he transformed has ben simmons been the best on ball defender this year probably yeah and and that that's not i mean like you don't walk into the league as a rookie being the best on ball defender in the league um and like he he's been awesome he's probably all nba first team if not defensive player of the year the thing is like it for him to be that elite player and to take that next step, like he has to grow his offensive game. And we just haven't seen it. Like we saw garbage time three from him and he like swished it. It's like, okay, if you can hit that, why aren't you taking that at any other point in the game? I know we've been talking about this forever with Ben Simmons taking threes. Just, I would be happy with him taking a mid-range shot. Just anything. Like, right. just, like, like you have to start doing something offensively when the ball's not in your hand. Like you have to be able to do something with the ball and like, he's just not at that spot yet. Mm -hmm. And maybe he does in the next three years, but it feels like if Philly doesn't win a championship this year and it looks like they could, it's going to be because of that. Yeah. I, it, I think doc will want at least one more year with him at least one more, but I get it. It's a, I mean, it's a hard thing. Like I, Philly's I wouldn't say Ben Simmons is the lid but his development and growth is the lid to that Philly team yeah, I get that it's a hard truth it's a hard truth you gotta look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself the truth on this podcast and that's what yeah. we're doing here Matt on to yours so I'll take out I'll go out west um okay. with, with mine so the Golden State Warriors the beloved Golden State Warriors cannot miss their window to trade the quote-unquote good Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre. So the the idea of this is we talked about Portland the the window is mm. is quickly coming to a close. Mm -hmm. In Golden State I'm not saying it's closed because you still have Steph Curry who's in the MVP conversation and hopefully we'll have Clay Thompson back next year, right? If if they miss their window though, to trade this quote unquote good, but probably unsustainable Andrew Wiggins and or Kelly Oubre, 
then that's that's detrimental to the long-term um, success of the franchise, whether that's for player players now or draft picks moving forward. I think the Golden State Warriors, like they can't, they can't do the thing where it's like they're very, very good, but not great. And then eventually there's just going to come a time where Steph and Clay aren't there anymore. They stink for a year, get the number one ish pick and hopefully just pray that it works out again. I think it's like, you got to start accumulating the, either the assets now to be good long-term for when Steph and Clay do leave or accumulating players that are legit helpful. Maybe not this year because Clay's out, but next year, to make sure like we get one last championship run in say like mm. we, we exhausted mm. all the options. Yeah. If they think Wiggins and Ubre are like those players that you should be accumulating. I don't agree. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, especially the Wiggins bit, like Ubre is good as like a fourth or fifth guy, mm. but Wiggins, I, I, he's been better this year than I expected him to be, but still, I think he's, closer to that four or five guy like in your lineup than he is like second or third. So Mm. as much as Wiggins has been good this year and filled a role this year, I don't know if that's sustainable. And uh, there's, there's going to be someone out there, Ryan, that will be, that will talk themselves into it. Like, you know what? Andrew Wiggins, you know, Andrew Wiggins for Harrison Barnes, who says no. I you know Harrison Barnes was at the forefront of my mind for this exercise. So it, it's kind of not far fetched. It would be actually a fun thing, full circle thing for Harrison Barnes to come back to Golden State. Right. Um be like the guy who kind of like linchpin helps them get, get back, back. where they want to be. Yeah. Um yeah, I totally get where you're coming from on this one. Uh I think James Wiseman is that like future asset they're holding on to to be like, yeah. This guy's going to be the next thing after Stephen Clay and Draymond, um, which they've been talking up James Wiseman quite a bit over the last six months. Right. And it's going to be interesting to see that play out. They have the Minnesota pick. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see if that conveys, because if that does, they could get another top five player, I mean, right? Wiggins plus that pick on the trade market could fetch you ton right now or Wiggins Ubre and that pick could fetch you a ton if if you choose not just to use the pick for a potentially you know great player yeah yeah that's a it's an interesting I wonder if like I mean Porzingis has been floated around quite a bit not only on this podcast but in just trade talks I don't know if Golden State would feel like they're getting enough back in that kind of trade for Porzingis Wiggins but, for Porzingis straight up I mean, it's an interesting idea, right? right? Like, that's kind of the player you need next to Luca, and I feel like that's a good player to come to Golden State and kind of get the Golden State treatment um, of like, yeah, he's awesome. He fits in our culture, and he's going to be able to shoot threes and defend enough. Like, we don't need right. him to be like this ultra awesome defender here at Golden State. And stylistically, I think that'd be someone good for Wiseman to learn from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, can play that game. And even like, I mean, it's been shown time and time again, but players generally get better on defense playing next to Draymond. Yeah. Um, and 
I mean, it doesn't ha- hurt to take a flyer on a guy as tal- talented as Brazingis, who's locked up in a contract. By the way, that's a huge benefit for Golden State because they're they've been at the top of the cap um, yeah. and paying luxury tax for a long time. So that, that that would be a huge help for them to get someone who's locked up and they don't have to worry about re-signing and all sure. that stuff down the road. Sure. So again, Golden State, take advantage of this opportunity because you're probably not getting many others. I'm actually going to switch mine up. I have a next one, and I'm going to save that for last because this next one's not as spicy. But I'm going to say this. Indiana's championship window has closed. They'll need to retool to compete at a high level again. This is is a tough one for the Sabonis uh, fan club. Yeah, it's the Sabonis, Turner. I mean, you have Levert now, um, but... Indiana has kind of been in that tailspin since making that trade for Levert. And understandably, they've gotten rid of a productive player in Oladipo for essentially nothing. Um, but the pieces, it's not like this team's been like, okay, you're playing Doug McDermott, but you still have Turner, Sabonis, Brogdon, who was playing awesome this year, right. and you're still not necessarily winning games. It kind of makes you question, all right, what is this team's longevity? And does Levert, Sabonis, and Turner plus Brogdon get you into the championship like contention? Are you like just the Utah Jazz of the East then where you're like really good in the regular season and then maybe don't have what it takes to get over the top to win a championship with a su- like ultra super duper star? It's a tough thing for Indiana because not a lot of not a lot of free agents want to go to Indiana. And even like making a trade, you run the risk of someone walking for nothing. Right. It's the, even the Utah though, like if Utah so, still finished this season as the number one seed though, like even if they don't win the championship, I still think Utah fans would be elated by that outcome. Yeah. I mean, Whereas, it's what we've been waiting not to jump off to Utah, but it's but what we've been waiting for Utah to do for several seasons now, right? Since they beat Oklahoma right. city in that first round. Yeah. I don't even know if Indiana can get there in the East though, like with this core. Yeah. That's the tricky part is because you have, you're looking up to Giannis. Now you're looking up to a three headed monster and Katie Kyrie and James Harden. And that's not going away really anytime soon. And even Boston duo, Boston Philly, who's I think lapped them at this point. And this conversation starts becoming, all right. So if we can't beat these teams in a seven game series, what do we do? What's our, what, what do we do now? I think Turner could get you a lot right now. Um, and like, if you're wanting to flip Turner for something else, maybe some picks like this draft is potentially going to be good. I think this would be the one to kind of bottom out and get in that lottery and maybe get a pick or two if you're looking to move Turner or move up in the draft. Um, and I think that's the route Indiana needs to go at this point because they don't they don't have the pieces to beat those top tier teams. Right, right. I, there's going to be you know someone who gets into the top five of the draft. That's in this particular draft. It's a top five heavy draft. So if there's going to be someone in there though that you can convince, like, hey, look, you don't need another guard. You need a big. Like, I'll give you Turner or Sabonis for that top five pick or whatever it may be, right? Wherever it falls. So 
that's the thing with this this draft. Um, like looking ahead, it's it's all like these guard wing type guys mm. that are yep. um, viewed as elite level prospects. So those are the exact dudes you want to be taking a shot on early on. Um, not that there's a LeBron in this group. Like can't put that on Cade Cunningham, but like <laughs> people float around. Like, is this going to be a you know the potential like great top five like that we haven't seen since oh three. Mm. The LeBron, Wade, Mello, Bosch draft, right? Um, and Darko. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, hopefully there's no Darko in here. Yeah, but right. like that that's the idea, though, is like this is a draft to go do it. Like if you want to retool, as you said it. Um, I get it. And for someone like Nate Bjorken, the first year head coach in, in Indiana, you know, these aren't your guys. Yeah, you, you know, you got hired to make these guys work, but maybe it's like if you let Sabonis, you know, go elsewhere via trade or Turner go via trade, like you could keep Brogdon. Like Brogdon's still like such a stable piece. Yeah. Um, or if you, you know, you couldn't let go of Turner, he's still a stable piece to like build with young guys around. Like that would be helpful to have. Yeah, I think the but idea here doesn't is- have to be a fire sale. Yeah, exactly. I think the idea here is that you could probably build around two of the three, but you're going to have to get rid of one of them. Maybe yeah. two. Maybe. Depends on what you think of Levert. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you could keep Sabonis. Like, you would want to keep Sabonis. And sure. he, might, like he might be the the untouchable one here, unless you're getting, like, offers for the number one overall pick, which I don't know what you would have to throw in to get that, but it's probably a lot it's probably three of those four guys, right? That we've talked about. Uh, it depends on probably how many future picks as well. You'd be able yeah. to throw in there. Yeah. Right. If you're only wanting to throw in one of those guys. But, but it's just a tough spot for Indiana because they've, you know, they've been so close. They've hosted home. They've had home court advantage in the playoffs not too long ago. Um, and they've been in that four or five conversation for a long time. They just haven't been able to get over that first round really and I don't know where you go from here as an Indiana team. Um, I think I think you're right. You kind of go. You hope to get in that top five. Um, if you have to trade into it, or maybe you end up kind of falling back, and you don't have to give up as much to get into that top yeah. five. But get into the top five, and maybe go trade for a veteran in the off season. Like the idea there is maybe like get a Chris Paul type who, you know, has kind of led a team not necessarily Chris Paul himself, but like led a team to a playoff run right. and he's available on the trade market now. Um, there's going to be, huh? Kimball Walker. Yeah, exactly. Like there's, there's guys available like that. Um, you know, they had a chance to go get Gordon Hayward and maybe that this past off season, they chose not to understandably. So there's a lot of risk involved with that specific going to trade for Gordon. And maybe there's another player like that right who they right. can go get um and they'll have to overpay they'll just have to because they're indiana a small market team um and that comes with being that type of team but i think they can compete for a championship with some of the pieces they have they just have to rework it in a way that makes sense going forward yeah i i think i agree with you on this one so speaking of kimba for my last one <laughs> This, this hurts, but the, the Jason Tatum, 
Jalen Brown, Kimball Walker trio just ain't it. It just ain't it, Ryan. Ooh, wow. So, That's spicy. Again, I love Tatum, right? We all do. Yeah. We we talked about uh Jalen Brown, how mm. he's ascended, he's you know, completely transformed himself as a player to become who he is now, a legit all-star. Mm. Kimball Walker, one of my favorite players to watch when he was in college. One of, you know, uh, a favorite to watch since he's been in the league, trying to get Charlotte anywhere close to competent. And, I mean, he did about as good of a job as <laughs> anyone could have asked. Right. Um, seen him in Boston now. I, I like him. Mm. He just isn't it. If Unfortunately for Boston, the, the ball has to be in the hands of Tatum and Brown so much that Kimba's effectiveness is just it, – it doesn't look as good as it should because he's just not the final pairing with those other guys. If Boston's going to be spending $30-plus million on a player, which they are with Kimba now, it's someone that's got to complement those other two so much better than Kimba does. And, like, I get why Boston made the move at the time, right? Like, they were losing Rozier. He was going to Charlotte anyway. It kind of made sense. The money was going to work, um, all that. I, I get it. I, I understood it at the time. I hoped it would have worked out at the time. But now it's like, this isn't going great. The, the whole knees deal with Kimba just makes it that much worse. I even think if he was healthy for every single game, I would still be feeling this way. So that that's the hard truth of it is like even Kimba Walker at his like physical best, this still ain't it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying go pay $30 million for a center necessarily, but I'm mean, just throwing around Vucevic's name a lot since he's been rumored. <laughs> Vucevic would complement this team so much better than Kimba would right now. That's a good point. Um, I I wouldn't say like, it's hard because is Kemba the issue or is the piece around Kemba Brown and Tatum the issue? Well, I mean, the fact that they have about three other NBA level players on the roster doesn't help. I know that. So, I mean, like this is not to bring in the thunder on this because I feel like I bring in the thunder on everything, but this is what the Russ KD thing ran into quite a bit. It's like, is this Russ and Katie's fault or is this, the pieces around them that they've been given because I'm pretty sure DeAndre Burton is not, should not be in the rotation at this point Um, or like a Perry Jones or whatever. It feels like Boston's running into that where it's like, they've just kind of missed on some picks or the picks have not turned out. For example, like the the picks have just not had the longevity to maybe work themselves out. Like a Peyton Pritchard might be a nice player. He's a rookie. Like how much can you trust him? playing like significant NBA minutes at this point in his career. And it's just like, you can't. And I think that's the, maybe the thing issue going on here more with Boston than anything else. Because like, if you have any other production outside of that, in, in that bench, this may like the Kim, the trio may not look as bad. It's still not great, but it's not as bad as it looks. Right. And that, that is a, and I mean, we talked about this before um, when we talked about Brad Stevens last week, kind of being on a hot seat in Boston and I, with that Danny Ainge, like the fact that this team has not been built well or really developed well, 
like Brown and Tatum have obviously developed. Right? Like that's very, very clear. But like outside of those guys, um, so many of the young go- players that have come through Boston just kind of feel like the same that they've always been. Mm. Right. Like Shimmy Ojale feels like basically the same player he was when Boston brought him in. Um, they had a cut Gershon Yabusele, Robert Williams. I mean, he's Time kind board. of some improvement, right? Like, yeah. but like he's still not getting consistent minutes for Boston. Yeah. And Boston like is playing two centers at a time. So, right. Like Daniel Tice was already an established like European player when he came over. Tristan Thompson is what he is. Right. Prayton Pritchard was a multi-year college guy who was like in contention for player of the year, like mm. his final couple seasons at Oregon. Like he was already a good basketball player coming in. That's why he's had success early on. So it's like you, you getting to your point, like you can't miss on draft picks as much as Celtics have the Romeo Langford, Carson Edwards guys as well. But also like those guys at some point have to grow mm. and whether that's their fault, Brad Stevens fault, you know, I get it. Um, whether it's just schematically, like the ball just doesn't move in the ways it needs to for this team to get those other guys in rhythm to get them involved. Well, I would totally get that. Understand that. Um, so if that's the case, then dump Kimba for either quality depth mm. or dump Kimba for a, another star that is going to make it to where the depth doesn't matter. Because right now Kimba isn't good enough to where like the depth can't like just be bad and like that's okay. Yeah, I mean it's a fair point overall because you look at like the Nets, for example, they have zero depth. <laughs> like they they're playing like Sterling Brown as a big or. Yeah, it's Sterling Bruce Brown. Brown. Bruce Brown, thank you. Bruce Brown all of a sudden is like this like key player to the Nets. Bruce and Brown is fun. And it feels like Boston doesn't have that random guy who's like, oh my God, he's been like in the G League or he's been sitting on someone's bench and now he's awesome playing in Boston. Yeah. There hasn't really been that. I mean, like Isaiah Thomas was like probably the last example. Not yeah. Sarah, like, I mean, he Isaiah play, Thomas played like at an MVP level there for a flash. Um, it just like in the new era of like post Kyrie Tatum, it's the Tatum Brown era. Essentially there hasn't been that guy who's stepped up and just been awesome. Right. Um, Smart's and, been a good glue guy. Like he, and he has gotten better as well. Yeah. I'm kind of to the point of like, whoever you want to call a point guard, I guess, smart. Yeah. Smart Brown Tatum as like the one, two, three. I think that's great. And now it's figuring out the four or five. I think that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough thing to kind of fill out that roster. And we talked a lot about that last week, but I mean, other teams are running into that, like Milwaukee's running into that. I mean, this isn't really like a new thing. The Clippers are running into that kind of at this point. Um, And it almost feels like Boston should go get like a Lou Will type. Um, Not saying that like they would go get that type of guy, but you kind of need that extra playmaker who can like score and give that explosiveness to your offense. My random guy. Yeah. That like zip to your offense. I think that's the thing that Boston's offense is missing the most is that zip is like, it just hasn't been around since Kyrie has left. Yeah. And I get that, but it also fits the personality type of a Brad Stevens team. Zip Mm. is is not a word (laughs) we we associate with Brad Stevens when he was at Butler it's a fair point when yeah you're playing butler guys yeah it's there's not a lot of zip there yeah the white man from indiana does not have zip 
<laughs> the Gordon Haywards of the word. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, where, where are you at? I guess that's a good point, too, is, like, where are you at with the Gordon Hayward thing? Because he's looked awesome in Charlotte. And it, it may have felt like Boston, Gordon Hayward, need to break up at some point. But yeah, it feels like he was a bigger deal to that offense than we thought. Part of it's also now knowing, like, where Brown is offensively. Yeah. Right? If, if you have told me this Gordon Hayward plus smart Brown Tatum – as your total of one, two, three, four, I would have been more for that mm. than this Kimba smart Brown Tatum, whoever's the one, whoever's the four, whatever in that grouping. Yeah. Like I would prefer the Hayward lineup. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. You're having uh, some breakup regrets then. A little bit. I've never gone through a breakup. <laughs> it's painful. <laughs> My own personal life, Ryan. <laughs> one for one doing 100 here well it's painful in the basketball world all right i've done it three three or four <laughs> times and i'm just sick and tired of it at this point last um, time boston did it we stole the brooklyn nets so that's true you just ransomed their future and then ended up getting jason tatum from it so it worked out for you um yeah i mean that it's a tough spot to for boston i was gonna this is another team I was going to write a hard truth for. I don't know if I talked about this, but is that Boston just like, isn't in contention this year for a championship and that's okay. They're very not like I get, I said at the beginning of the year, I thought they'd finish closer to five, six Mm. in the East. And they're there right now. Yeah. They're right around that. Yeah. I mean, you look yourself in the mirror and maybe like, it's okay that you like, I think I saw this point by Richard Jefferson this year is like, if you look at the Spurs and the Tim Duncan era, like there were some years they were one, two, and there were some years they were like five, six, seven, and that's okay. And teams go through that, those phases. It's if you're consistently there, that's an issue, right? right. Like you're going to have the ups and downs year, years. You just have to have the really high ups and win championships when you're up. And I think last year was a chance for them to win, win or make the finals and they missed their opportunity. Thanks for the advice, Richard Jefferson. Just win some championships every now and again. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing, <laughs> of course, right? Anything else you want to add about your uh, Celtics there? No, no, I'm good. Hey, we're back above 500, though. That's exciting. We did do that before the break. Yeah, so. I mean, it, how does it make you feel that the Thunder are tanking and are only four wins behind Boston Celtics? I'm concerned. <laughs> that's we're trotting out a lineup of like sga sometimes because he's been hurt lou dort like isaiah roby in there yeah do you miss l horford at this point because we can give him back to you no i'm good (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i love i love making fun of the celtics now that thunder are not in contention it's a lot more fun sitting on this side because you did that to me a ton and now i get to do it to you playing with house money I am. Yeah. We're going to get two top five picks this year and trade them both for <laughs> Cade Cunningham. <laughs> so get ready for that. Anyways, my last point, my last hard truth, Atlanta Hawks, I'm coming for you. Yes. Trey Young can't be the centerpiece of a championship. Yes. Team. I'm glad we agree on this last one. <laughs> and it's just the truth. There is no part of his game that translates to champion, like high level winning. We, didn't we just see this play out with James Harden and Houston 
And wouldn't we consider James Harden like a significantly better player than Trey Young could ever be? Like, what's Trey Young's like ceiling? Like, is it like a um, Lou? Will- I, I wouldn't say Lou Williams, but like, it's not Steph Curry. We compared him to Steph Curry coming into the draft, and I don't think he's a Steph Curry type player. I mean, like he stylistically. He stylistically like, plays like Steph. He yeah. can't shoot the ball. He's not the elite, ultra elite shooter that Steph is. Well, he also doesn't. He's not willing to play the style of a shooter at times the way Steph is. You mean so, give up the ball? <laughs> right, right. So, um, which is part of what got Lloyd Pierce fired is that <laughs> Trey Young really did not care for Lloyd Pierce and how hard Lloyd Pierce rode his tail about that and playing defense which is what the basketball world has been screaming about also. I don't know. Maybe there's just some other people trailing and Celeste Tube besides dad, but. Um, and OU fans, right? Sure. So like, you know, I, 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 again, I a hundred percent agree with you. I think his ceiling is, I don't want to say it's more the CJ McCollum tier, but I think it's more in that range. So, I mean, maybe like, I don't know. Is his ceiling like peak Jamal Murray? I guess is that it? I mean, peak Jamal Murray is going for like fifty in the bubble, but like <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing is like I don't know. Like, is he like obviously he's an all star? Like he was an all star. Is he ever making an all NBA team? Yeah, he'll make one at some point. Is he making because... okay over under three and a half all NBA teams uh, under? Yeah, and like that's. I think that's the sticking point is that you can't have this like championship team built around the guy who may make like may make a frisky third team all NBA. Right. Yeah. Like like he's a fun all-star. He's a fun player. Like he's cool to watch. I don't like, I I think there's been better players at at him to try this thing, like this ISO ball hero ball. And it just hasn't worked. Like we see with better players. And I I don't think he was a deserve like he deserved to be in the All Star game this year like I really don't um, yeah I don't think so either so I mean that's part of it so like if you told me I'm trying to pull up the All Star game rosters right now um so I mean talking about like what tier could he end up in he's of course never going to be in like the Durant LeBron Giannis Steph tier Mm-mm. um Kawhi is also in that tier. I don't think he's ever going to be in like the Brad Beal, Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic, you know, tier. Mm-hmm. I think he feels like he's going to make, he's going to make some all-star games because part of it's fan voting. Right. I, I think he's going to be in like the. Is it like Zach Levine? Is I that. Mean, is I that... mean, part of it's, you got to understand like Zach Levine is actually like legit good now. Yeah. Um. But, like, probably that, like, Levine, Rudy Gobert, um, whatever Jalen Brown tops out as, whatever Sabonis tops out as. Um, I don't know, maybe it depends on, like, your thoughts about Devin Booker, like, whatever Devin Booker tops out as. Yeah. Like, I think that's realistic. Like, is he just, like, smaller, better passing Devin Booker? Mm. Like, and again, we like Devin Booker. Yeah, we like Devin Booker a lot. Like, it like what ultimately does Devin Booker do for a team on its own? Eh. 
What yeah. does Devin Booker do for a team when it's a good team plus Chris Paul? Looks good. Looks like an yeah. all-star. Um, barely, though. Remember that. Barely. So I guess the question then becomes like, who do you pair? Like, I mean, a wing defender, two-way player is kind of the obvious answer there. But who do you pair Trey Young with to win a championship? Like, if you, if tomorrow you were you controlled the Hawks and were the GM of the Hawks, what would you do? Where would you go with this team? I mean, I feel like you need like a tier one wing. Okay. Like, there's no way to get like Kawhi. Right. But, like to me, it takes like that tier one, tier high tier two mm. wing that can go both ways. Paul George. Yeah. Right. We mentioned him before like that's to me, like that's the level of guy you would have to go get to make a cha- Trey young championship team. So and, it would move him solidly to the two, maybe even three. Yes. Like yeah. best player on its championship team. I think the way like, I mean, he would have the ball in his way more in his hands than like what I'm about to say is like the way Chris Bosch was a three mm. in Miami, right? Yeah. The way in like Cleveland when LeBron won with um, Kyrie, like I don't know if Trayon can get to that level. Whereas Kyrie is like the two, there, right? Like yeah, and Kyrie was awesome in those finals. He was right, really right. so good, and I don't know if well, Trayon can ever get. And like to that he tried and played defense. Yeah, he like put effort into it, right? Yeah, and was cool with like LeBron bringing the ball up and being the guy and playing off of him. Like if Trey Young mentally, and I think that's the biggest thing with Trey Young. It's not even to me like the physical um, features that like are lacking. It's the mental side of it for me. And if he never figures out that part, or if Atlanta can never get a coach in there to help him figure it out then he'll never be the guy everyone wants him to be. Like he'll, he'll never realistically have a better year than what his rookie year was, mm. which is just like extreme stat stuffing on a bad team. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting in the second half of the season to see how the Hawks play under Nate McMillan. And if they can make a playoff push, if they get into playoffs, how do they look in like crunch time, like serious playoff time? Um, and what does that team look like? And is Trey Young, can they even win a game? Like if they're playing against Philly, if they're playing against the Nets, whoever it is, Milwaukee even, like how does that team stack up? And They might win a game just because of three-point shooting, like mathematically. <laughs> they might just like yeah. get a game. But right, it's like, is he ever going to be willing to give the ball up? And like if, if they figure out that's what's going to help this team because it's going to get the defense moving and shifting every which direction with you being off the court or like off the ball, not off the court. Mm-hmm. Like, but is it, would he be willing to do twin playoff games? Again, they got to get to the playoffs. <laughs> That's a good point. They're, they're still like on that outside looking in yep. and I don't know. It's a tough conversation to have because it's still early in his career. What he's like third season third in. Yeah. But at this point, like the evidence is, I mean, it's just kind of overwhelming at this point. Like, I just don't know how, I don't see a way in which Trey Young is the centerpiece for a championship winning team, unless he drastically changes the way he wants to play the game of basketball. Which like you would hope to see 
I, again, a guy I really want to take the job there long term is Mike D'Antoni. Mm. Because one, he's coached Harden. Yeah. Two, Steve he's Nash. Then Brooklyn working with Steve Nash. Um, and he's been there for the whole like Kyrie's like, I'm giving the ball up to James Harden. Like, I, I, I have to go through this if we want to win. Take that down to Atlanta. One that emphasizes the scoring, which mm. Trey Young just wants to do. Right. Two, you can hopefully bring those mental lessons that you've learned from your previous stints in Houston and Brooklyn with you down there. And three, like Mike D'Antoni seems to do play defense. Yeah. Like he always makes sure he has a good staff to help make sure that happens. But like they always play defense. Like Houston at their best played really good top 10 defense in the league. Mm. Yeah. So like if he can figure out a way to bring those down there, I think that would honestly be a great pairing. Um, and it's Mike D'Antoni. Like he would have, he should have the respect of Trey Young. Whereas like Lloyd Pierce never had that. Who knows if Nate McMillan will have that. But that feels like a guy that could really work there and work with what they've got and where they want to go with what they've got. I like it. Last question on Atlanta before we move on and end the podcast. Do you see them being buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? I think it'd be smart to be sellers. The John Collins things, the John Collins things feels like it's going to play itself out here in a month. Right. Because they've got like three more weeks till the trade deadline. It's roughly. March 25th. Yeah. So 18 days. Yeah. As so of this recording. Yeah. So that's the thing is either you've got to be willing to go into, you know, just the RFA market with him and just see, be willing to either say, see you later or match it. I would say the smart thing is to trade him, mm. be sellers, like I mentioned, but are they going to do it? I have no confidence in that because it feels like their GM is fighting for his job right now. So just the way everything's gone. It's yeah. Not good. With the coach firing halfway through the season, it's not usually a great sign for the front office, right? It buys you a little time, but not much. Um, John Collins to Boston. Is that a thing? Eh. <laughs> it eh. doesn't move the needle that much for you. I like John Collins a lot though. Yeah, you do. And I don't know if that's the fit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the John Collins thing is going to play itself out. And I, I'm going to be inter- interested to see if there's any contention teams that go after him. Because I feel like he could be a useful player um, in a lots of situations. Yeah. Um, so we'll kind of... Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we'll kind of have to wait and see how that plays out for the Atlanta Hawks. But Matt, this was fun. This was a fun little segment. We'll have to bring it back. Yeah, for sure. So before we officially head out, you got to watch this week, Ryan, since the All-Star game week break, whatever, is like not really a break. We got like a week off. I know. I I, I swear it was going to be like two weeks. I was like, what am I going to do this week? I don't have any basketball to watch. Starting back on Wednesday. I'm going to have to watch One Tree Hill with my wife. Yeah. I wasn't looking forward to that. Um, but are we anyways, watching Shit's Creek? Uh, that's that's a good show. One Tree Hill is not a good show. <laughs> that's a hard truth to end the podcast. Anyways, I'm watching the Knicks this week because why not? Right. I see what they're like. This might if, be their last week of having fresh legs also for the rest of the season. 
yeah, good Lord. Poor Julius Randle is like, please give me a break. Let me sit on the bench for this all-star game. <laughs> it's my one chance to sit down. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, that's my watch. Who you got for this week? I'll go Dallas. Ooh. Uh, got some fun ones. Um, the Spurs, Thunder, and Nuggets. Oh, Let's yeah, see. I forgot to list off the Knicks. I think start with the Bucks on Thursday, um, which is always – is uh, so the Bucks. Ooh, they have my thunder. And then they play the Nets on that Monday on ESPN. So I like this. They have a kind of tough schedule to start out the gate here. They play the 76ers in the next couple weeks twice. They play the Wizards. They play the Bucks a couple times. You're humbling down the standings, Ryan. Yeah. Your your prediction may have just set New York on fire, but also may come true. Hard truths. Hard truths. We like it. Matt, do you want to add anything before we end episode 103? I'm solid. Well, thank you so much for listening to episode 103, the Hard Truths podcast. We'll be back for episode 104, in which we'll talk about whatever we want to talk about because this is our podcast and that's how we roll roll around here. Um, anyways, thank you so much for ep- listening to episode 103. We'll see you back in episode 104. Yeah.